guy that works in a liquor store yeah, in St. Exactly. Augustine, Florida, Idiot. is asking me about what LeBreton Le Flats yeah. is. Uh, this is amazing. Yeah. And second of all, he's asking me about Ryan Reynolds. So I don't know how you're going to put the Ryan Reynolds thing back in the bottle and say we don't need him after all. Here we go, round two with Lever Sage. We're going to talk some sports. We're going to talk some wrestling. We didn't get to any of this in round one when Lever Sage was here on Thursday morning. If you missed that, go back and check it out at tallcanaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us right now. My name is Matt Robinson. Across the table, once again, Lever Sage. Thanks for sticking around, man. Not many it. people get to round two. No, it's true, man. This does not happen very often. So I'm glad you stuck around. Hey, I appreciate I, that. I'm excited I didn't open the beer. Yes. This so, is, you know, kind of a rookie mistake the first time and then sophomore mistake earlier this time. And I like this to think time, I make up it, for it with some of my stories. And no, I, I, no I didn't. So you ready to go now? <laughs> Have at it. Okay. Uh, if you want to go back and check out, uh, we did do another episode on Thursday morning with Lever Sage talking all about, man, a lot of craft beer. We had a lot of beer talk to get through. And then everything that Lee had been through with his departure from TSN 1200. So if you want to check that out, if you want to hear a little more about that, go back and check that out wherever you're hearing us right now. Right now. Uh, do I need another beer? Is yes, we gotta you do? do, because I've just opened a Nickelbrook Blood Orange Sour. Yeah. Okay. So that's it's been sitting in there for a couple of weeks, and I hadn't had the, uh, the zap. Okay, zap. Yeah, uh, but I brought you. Yes, this is another one that you have brought for me from you, the Westport. You need to go there. I do need to go. there. You need to go there. Yes, because on a nice day to look out over. Oh, now that's an opening of a beer right there. To look that's over a <laughs> um, the big Rito, and that's... to be sitting there. They have tunes on Saturday afternoons. Um, it's a very organic, not very big, uh, I don't think I can't afford to go there. It seems like a very posh. No, no, I'm no. wrong on that. And I don't mean that in a, it's a very poor town, no, but, no. <laughs> um, it's not, it's just quaint. <laughs> okay. It's All just right. quaint. Uh, it, it's not, no, no, y- you'll be fine. All right. So, so this is the, uh, the blonde ale. From uh, yeah. Westport Brewing Company on first pull, pretty nice. Like this is one of those ones you would take down to, well, as you said, maybe the the patio overlooking the Big Rito, or right. in my case, uh, down to the patio overlooking. Uh, well, I'm not going to say exactly. Like Scugog in Port Perry. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, maybe maybe Bob Cage in right, looking out over the water there. Uh, this is a summer beer for sure. Yes, on uh, the first couple pulls, pretty yeah, nice. No question. Yeah. But I appreciate the fact that Westport doesn't do anything fancy because they want to be good at some of the regular stuff. First. Sure. I, 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 this is something we've talked about a few different times on the podcast that there's a, a brewery in Bob Cajun, not uh, more than a seven minute drive from where the cottage is. It's called the uh, old dog brewing company. Okay. And I've said to them, well, in online reviews, <laughs> never really sat down and talked to them, but it's a little, bland a lot of the stuff like none of it is bad but there's nothing that really stands out and i've talked to you know i've traded a couple messages with them i've talked to andy here from the nita brewing company i've talked to the guys from vimy like i know some of the brewers here in town yeah and they're like 
in a small, small town like that, you can't get too, too crazy experimental, right? Because yeah. there, this is a small area. And if we have like this crazy hoppy IPA and then this fruitcake Christmas stout or whatever Which it might be. I can't be. believe I didn't open in your fridge. <laughs> so it scares people off. You want people to start coming in instead of going and getting their Canadian or their blue or their whatever. They want to come get your beer. Mm-hmm. But if it's crazy, they won't, right? This isn't, it, it's sort of a struggle in a small town, like where if you're in a big city here I like guess. Ottawa. No, nah, but you know what? I don't believe that because. Well, isn't that <laughs> sort of what Westport's done here? Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. But my uh, big thing. So I like Westport yeah. a lot and I brought you one. 100%. Um, and I'm enjoying And it I have a, I haven't tried, I've only tried their blonde, so that's why I gave you the blonde, because like you, you haven't tried. I, yeah, have a, 100%, I, man. I, I have a different fridge, and then that's it, man. I only bought I'm one red ale and me. one lager, and like, <laughs> I got to try them first before I start giving them out. Yes. But if you get good at that stuff, then you need to branch out and do something dramatic. Something to hang your hat on. Right. So yeah. they had um, a new, I don't know how different it is, but a new wheat beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hadn't canned it because right, it was okay. just a batch. Yeah. But if you're one of those breweries like Westport, I understand why you're going with the, the blonde and the lager and the Pilsner. It sounds very condescending. I always use the phrase entry level. Right. Like people who walk in, yeah. if you like a lager, you'll like their lager and that makes it easier for them to sell it. It makes it more likely to come back. But yeah. you need to experiment on the side and have a couple of things yeah. that if they hit, if they miss, it's okay because you've only made a batch. Sure. But if they hit. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, Covered Bridge, I don't know how much you know. I like their stuff. Okay. So one of the first times I ever went to Covered Bridge in Stittsville, mm-hmm. their orange blonde ale, they only did like in a batch series. Right. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like- this beer is incredible. Well, yeah, it, it, and it, like it is popular and blah, blah. I'm like, so come on, put it in Get your it regular going. rotation, yeah. can it. Three months later, I walked into the independent in Carlton Place. It's there. <laughs> Sitting on the shelf. Yep. yep. It's in the LCBO. Fantastic. I went back to the guy. I'm like, good stuff. I'm going to come. I'll buy it from here. But if I buy it from there too, yeah. I'm glad to have it. And good that you did this. Well, on the last episode where you were here and you were having that raven from... Old Flame. That's the way I felt about that. That was a seasonal. That was not part of their regular rotation. They tried right. it a couple times. It was my, by far my favorite from that brewery. Right. And you give them some feedback now and then, and now it is. It's into that regular rotation, right? It pops up in the local stores, and and, and you're off and running. Right? I was so. in Toronto, and this will be a bad segue into getting into some wrestling talk, <laughs> but before the group of us hit up AEW collision at the Scotiabank Arena on mm-hmm. Saturday and then Forbidden Door. Yes. On the Sunday, we went to the Amsterdam. Okay, yeah, yeah. Brewery. Yep. Right on the Toronto Harbor front. One of the early days of Ontario craft beers. Yes. Yep. And have you ever been there before? I have not been in-house, no. Holy crap. <laughs> like, biggest building in a restaurant like I've ever seen. Yeah. So two entrances, one for the patio, one for the inside, lineups for both. Um, now, it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. but I would bet the inside probably held somewhere in the neighborhood of three to 400 people. Wow. And then the outside patio held about 
two fifty. Man, that's a place for beer, right? That's, it was insane. Yeah, like so much so that's that why the van ride that, that was quiet. So much so that we sat down fifteen minutes. Now this isn't a great publicity thing for <laughs> Amsterdam, but fifteen minutes before somebody actually came over to ask us, like, right. "Hey, have you been taken care of?" And no. like we were flagging people down, like, right. "We want to drink your beer. Please give me a beer." Um, but they make bone shaker and all, there were some IPA drinkers in the crowd yep. where we had, and, um, I drank their cerveza. That's a classic, right? Yep. Everybody knows the bone shaker. Yeah. I a... drank their cerveza, but what a place, like just buzzing, buzzing, right. buzzing, buzzing in Toronto. Didn't get into the steam whistle, um, wanted to, but, uh, didn't get there. That's a place that I've hit a thousand times in and out of a Jays game, right? Yeah. You drop in and. Yeah. And beautiful there. So we were, wanted to go to the Jays game, sold out against the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> That's the only place Oakland has ever been sold out. Seriously. This year. Like, Terrible. hey, we'll just go to the Jays game yeah. before collision. I just assumed. Sold out. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. I'll sit in Amsterdam a little bit more. Sure. Have a couple more Sacrifice beers before we go to. over. Uh, look, there's a few different places. I do want to ask you about Forbidden Door and, yeah. and how that went. Um, you heard off the top, framed you up there uh, with, with a take on the Sens ownership mm-hmm. that maybe didn't quite pan out. We can get to that in a second. But I want to start here. Because I do know you are a wrestling guy. I'm curious. Are you much of a... Have you ever been much of a boxing guy, MMA guy, anything like that? Other other sports where the introduction is huge, right? We, You and I would have grown up on Howard Finkel, right? Maybe a little later, Lillian Garcia, of whatever. Um, it's everything. But Michael Buffer yep. in the boxing world, Bruce Buffer in the MMA, MMA world. world. Yep. Are you into either of those sports at all, MMA or boxing? Um. I was into boxing. Right. I was into MMA. Okay. I still, I would call myself a fringe because I previously worked in sports radio. Uh, I always felt like I... I should keep an eye on it. Yeah. Like I was always one of those people that I wanted to be the person that could talk to you. Like if you brought up, and I happened to watch NASCAR. Right. I happened to watch curling. I happen to watch some other sports that aren't necessarily front and center for a lot of people, right. but I always wanted to be and hope I came across this way that if I you can hang in this conversation, hey, if you want to have a 15 minute conversation with me about anything right. in the world of sports, I, I will hang with you and have a real conversation. With sure. So, so probably 15 minutes would be my max in boxing <laughs> and UFC, yeah. but I could get there. So the reason I bring this up is, like I said, mentioned Howard Finkel, yeah. mentioned Michael and Bruce Buffer. Just within the last week, I've heard perhaps the most legendary introduction for any athlete I've ever heard in my life. I want to run this by you and mm-hmm. see how long it takes you to maybe grasp who we're talking about. Okay. I want to let the listenership uh, have a shot at it too. Uh, this was from just on Tuesday, a legendary introduction. In all of history, only one man has stood to say that he will dictate what is and is not possible in this world. I speak of this man. For he has broken reality and all of time pours down around us now at once. Simultaneous and endless, erasing cause and effect and opening all possibilities before us. And the ancient powers are subordinated to their own creation, and they smile at his achievement, and they say he shall live forever. 
For he does not do it for money. He does not do it for glory. He does it for his people. He does it for his country. He does it for freedom. And the gods shine down on us now. And the gods shine down on us still. Because of him alone. Because of him alone. The Nathan's famous 4th of July champion of the world. Minus 5,000 favorite. So, the Nathan's famous. So, I had no idea who this was <laughs> about. I but, was kind of entertained, but thought there was too much talking. Oh, but, I, see, I loved that. But like, then realized <laughs> it's... It's a hot dog eating champion. Joey The Nathan famous, the, the, the maybe my favorite part of the whole thing. The Nathan's famous 4th of July champion of the world as if other countries are having 4th of July hot dog eating contests <laughs> that was epic we don't have Matt. a Canada day well maybe you don't <laughs> hot dog eating contest do we we do not yeah so he threw down uh, not quite his record I think his record is 73 hot dogs I mm-hmm. think he got to 69 which is uh, nice um, do you nice do you watch Nice. The hot dog eating contest no. on the 4th of July. No. Have you ever heard a more epic introduction? Yes. The, okay. <laughs> the yes. gods shine down on us still. This man will live forever. Eating that many hot dogs, probably not going to live forever. But I, And I left that last clip in. I should have faded it out earlier, but I intentionally left. Minus 5,000. The commentator chipping in minus 5,000 favor. Who's betting on this, this thing? Oh, I would. 100% I would. <laughs> Joey Chestnut, until he loses, I'm betting on him. There was a, before him, was it not a Japanese guy? I, I, I yeah. seem to recall had a, a famous name that has since escaped me. So you've never watched this thing? No. No. I just thought this I was find it a, gross. I also, I, I enjoy a good hot dog. Maybe even on the 4th of July. Like, I, I can get down with that. But Oh, of course I, I don't do. Need, it might take dog, me. A good sausage, but man, oh man. Three uh, days. Like, it would be tough for me to eat 69 hot dogs in three days. And I don't even know what the time limit is on this. 10 minutes or whatever it is. Just yeah, dropping it, it in water and shoving it down your gullet. I think it is 10 minutes. Yeah. Just awful, man. Not a bad introduction, but not to the level. <laughs> I thought so, that was pretty profound. So. Man. This man. I've watched a lot of wrestling over the last little while. Yeah, I've yeah. had time to watch a lot of wrestling sure. over the last little while. Yeah. It's amazing how sing-songy wrestling has become with, in the WWE, you have Cody Rhodes, who comes out to Kingdom from Downstate, yep. which he signed on to, like CM Punk did with Cult of Personality, yeah. that he got to take everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. So Cody Rhodes did the same thing. So when he comes out, it's a full sing-along for yep. two minutes. Or at least the, whoa. Yeah. So Seth Rollins now has the same thing. I don't but, like his as much. Well, no, his is geeky. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's stupid. Okay. <laughs> but it's still of like when performers come out. It gives it a big time. They feel. have this. Yes. And CM Punk comes out with cult personality. Yep. And, and that's a big deal. Um, Adam Cole comes out and everyone's kind of 
along with the oh, Adam no, Cole, no. baby. Boom. Yeah. Baby. So there's a lot going on, but if you're a Ring of Honor fan and you understood that Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, whatever you want to call him, yeah, came out to the final countdown from Europe. Right. And then, of course, wasn't allowed to for the longest of time, but came out to it on Sunday night. Yeah, someone's got to pay for the licensing of that yeah. shit, and then you're going to broadcast it on live TV. So, no, it never it's happened expensive. in WWE, and yeah. they decided to throw it down for that pay-per-view. It and, was incredible, and though. And in ROH, no one was paying for it. It was <laughs> well, yeah, e- a small I'm a, time. I'm a big ECW guy. Yeah. Everyone came out to, like, the Sandman came out. Sandman's to, was amazing, Sandman. right? Yeah. Um, Raven, dubbed over. Raven came out to Offspring, and, yeah. like, there was tons of them. New Jack came out to... Yeah, when uh, you were a renegade promotion, you weren't paying anybody for no. your uh, your rights but or whatever. But this this latest kind of group of everyone, like it's the big thing in wrestling now for people to come out and, and sing for two minutes before yes. somebody gets to the ring. Right. What I saw last Sunday, oh my God. So I'm going to hold you off. I'm not going to let you go there yet. We will get to the wrestling tried side twice of it. So far. I know this I, is a good host. I'm holding, Steering. I'm holding tough here. So, uh, the uh, yeah, that was the uh, <laughs> Nathan's famous Fourth of July hot dog eating contest. Look, let's talk briefly about the Sens at this point because yep. the last time you were in here was just before WrestleMania, so late March, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the ownership and that saga dragged out and dragged out and. One of the things that you and I had sort of debated at the time was, could you now go away from um, Ryan Reynolds, right? Would that, in your words, can you put that genie back in the bottle? And one of the things I've talked about on this show a few times is almost, and, and certainly inadvertently, but Ryan Reynolds' involvement turned out to create negativity or there never needed to be any create or negativity, right? If you had said to the average Senators fan a year ago, this is going to take a while, but you're done with the Eugene Melnick era, and it's going to be random, bland banker A versus random, bland real estate guy B versus what... It wasn't until we started to get the celebs involved. Mm -hmm. And then you tell the market... Hey man, Ryan Reynolds wants to be a part of this, and you look at what he's done with Wrexham over in you know whatever it was, third, fourth tier soccer, and turned it into this global brand. Fifth tier going to fourth tier, I know that because of AJ Jackie back in no <laughs> other particular reason whatsoever. So it would have been unquestionably, it would have been great for the Senators to have Ryan right. Reynolds involved. But what we talked about at the time was. Does it blind you to just a better bid? Does the money now start to, well, this one's $1.2 billion and it's just some guy that no one's ever heard of. This one's $950 million, but it's great local ownership. This one's nine hundred and eighty, but it's the Ryan Reynolds group. And how do you start to balance those things out? And I always sort of thought, and it's sort of, not because I predicted it, but it was just a concern more than a prediction, right? Mm-hmm. What if... The thing with Ryan Reynolds doesn't pan out. Have you set the market up for disappointment, despite the fact that the market is now in way better shape than it was a year ago? I'm wondering what your takeaway was with the Michael Andlauer group, getting the team, where this is going to go, how damaging, if at all, 
the loss of Ryan Reynolds being part of this is going to be. What was your sort of takeaway of the final news on which group got the team? Lots unpacked there. Yeah, yeah. So I think there was some initial disappointment because the fan base got built up that they expected something to happen. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And that's unfortunate for the Michael and Lauer group. I think people will get over it, but I do think it's going to take some time for people to get over it. Now, they'll get over it a lot quicker if certain people are announced in that group. Mm-hmm. They haven't been announced yet, I'm assuming. Because well, it hasn't totally closed yet, right? right? Like we're but I'm assuming at some point it will. Yes. And if some of the names that we, and it's only speculation. Sure. But look, if Daniel Alfredson yes. is the president or Ryan, vice president of hockey operations. Ryan Reynolds who at that point, right? And, and Daniel Alfredson comes in and makes a couple of moves. I do think it's old news for Ryan Reynolds, but Ryan Reynolds could have taken this team a long way. Yeah. And I'm going to be very clear. This is the National Hockey League's fault. Hmm. Gary Bettman. Tell me more. Gary Bettman likes to work with people that he knows. Yep. And he'd rather take less money from people that he knows that are in the club like Michael Landlauer, who owned 10% of By all accounts, right to the end, the Kimmel Group, yep. who also previously owned the uh, been involved Penguins. with the Penguins. But yes. Michael Landlauer has sat at the Board of Governors meetings representing the Montreal Canadiens yeah. in the National Hockey League with all of the other ownership groups. He has sat there at those meetings. So that's who Gary Bettman... I'm not saying Michael Landlauer is not a really great person. He sounds... I don't know him. I haven't heard that many bad things about him. No. He seems less flashy, but very capable of doing this. Exactly. So that's really good. But the NHL, make no mistake, wanted Ryan Reynolds to be a part of this. Oh, yeah. They brought him in. If you think Ryan Reynolds went on Jimmy Fallon and started talking about the Ottawa Senators without the NHL's consent, you are wrong. They thought they were going to get a deal done. And what happened was Ryan Reynolds leveraged himself he thought, like I thought, with the genie in the bottle or out of the bottle, yep. that, hey, if I go with the Remington group, I know the NHL doesn't like the Remington group, but you know what? I'm I can Ra- pull them in. I'm Ryan Reynolds. They want they me. They want me. Yeah. And so he thought yeah. that he could get that done. So is that the NHL's fault? Is that Ryan Reynolds' fault? There's probably some fault to place on both of them, but. Well, let me ask you this. When you look at. Some of the history that this league has had, right? Mm-hmm. When Boots Del Baggio, when he was trying to get involved, that guy whose name currently escapes me with the Islanders, who they did that E60 on, or oh, uh, was that Charles Spanning um, or Spar- something like Spano, that? John yeah, Spano. Spano. They've had some terrible decisions. Yes, they've made some ex- mistakes. So, is it really a bad thing that Gary went? You know what? I know this guy. And this guy has the money. Let's just do this because we're all comfortable with him. Like I, I'd love to sit here and rip Gary. It's like my third favorite thing in the world to do. I'm not sure this was a terrible decision to go with the guy you're already comfortable with. Fair. Yeah. But it was the NHL that brought Ryan Reynolds in in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds was, hey, I'm interested. The NHL said, we want you. We want you to be a part of this. We want you to go out and publicize. We want you to be at games. We want you to do all this stuff. 
Yeah. And then he leveraged himself with a group that they didn't like. So then the NHL turned course. Yeah. It always sort of felt like he... Now, I, I understand what you're saying, and I actually agree with you, that he uh, he maybe overplayed his hand a little. Ryan Reynolds thinking, I am so necessary to this, I can tie myself to whatever group I want. That group's going to give me everything I want, right. and we can do this. Um, I don't think he thought in a negative way, I'm going to screw people. No, He no, just no, thought, no. I can get the most power with the Remington group yes. as opposed to other groups. Right. Other groups had hockey people, had like right. he would sort, but he, it did he sort wanted of, control. Yeah. And it did sort of feel like, though, that maybe he would have been better served to hang back, wait and see how this plays out. And then any of these groups would have been happy to have him involved. Maybe they wouldn't have given him the power he wanted, but. Anyone who has any sort of business sense, Michael right. Anlauer would have said at the last minute, if you want to jump in with a $10 million yes. share of this But Ryan or Reynolds didn't want that no. because his control over Wrexham and what they were able to accomplish, and I think that's fair. I think if you take over, even if it's a fifth division soccer team, yeah. and you take over the decision-making process and then you're successful, you don't want to be just this- A 10% over. Yeah, you don't want to be the face- Without any real decision, right? I'm I'm a mascot at making. this point. Yeah. So I don't know that Michael Anlauer or any other group was willing to give Ryan Reynolds that sort of power, and so he leveraged himself with the Remington Group. Yeah. Thought he could pull it off and didn't pull it off, and that's how I see it. Like, yeah. I think Michael Anlauer is going to do a really good I was just job. Say, are you happy with this this end result? Yes. Yeah. Because. Look, I don't, I don't know the financial wherewithal of some of the groups, especially the Nico Sparks group. Yeah. By all accounts, right up to the last minute, they were still looking for money. Right. But Michael Anlauer, I know, has been in the NHL before. Yeah. I know as a 10% owner and selling his stake in the Montreal Canadiens, we'll have $200 million just from that yep. alone yep. before he does anything else. And... Seems to be a real hockey guy. Mm. And if he's a real hockey guy and he puts real hockey people in charge of this organization, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. And I think that for fans is what they want to hear because there is a trust level. So I'm going to move from the Ryan Reynolds. I don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle mm -hmm. to the Daniel Alfredson. If you don't have Daniel Alfredson a part of this, I don't know that you're going to have the trust of the fans. Are you even mildly concerned that that won't happen? Like, to me, this seems like as soon as it's done, they'll reach out and get that done, right? Get Daniel Alfredson. I think this. Daniel Alfredson has waited very patiently. Yeah. Daniel Alfredson has done all of the grunt work. <laughs> um, and, and look, I don't know Alfie like other people know him, but I do know for a long time he has been doing some legwork to get to know every minuscule part of this organization. Right. From the top guys to the bottom guys to how things work behind the scenes, how things work in Belleville. He has been boots. You should bring me on. I did college in Belleville. Be happy to let him know how things work in Belleville. Yeah. So did Matt Hamer. I, I so know. did a lot of people. Yeah, like, yeah. Loyalist. Man. Like Zach, Zach McGibbon yep. is in Belleville. I, Jack Miller's in Belleville. Yeah. Come on. 
Jack Miller runs things and everyone it's else. The Belleville Mafia, man. Yeah. Jack Miller's there and everyone else just works for him. <laughs> yeah, That's see, how I look it at does Belleville. Seem that way, yeah. um, I do think Alfie's done a lot of work behind the scenes to get to know a lot of people, how everything has been run. So it'd be a massive mistake if they didn't yeah. reach out. To the point where I just assume it will happen. Okay, but I assumed Ryan Reynolds yeah. going on Jimmy Fallon and showing up at games <laughs> and waving to crowds See, I that didn't. the NHL... Yeah, I didn't, man. I was sort okay. of pumping my brakes on that. Well, then... if Alfie's not a part of this organization, yeah. this organization will be worse off. 100%, I agree with that. Like, I don't like Alfie, right? I'm a Leafs guy, but this organization, as it... Re- you keep the... saying you're a Leafs guy? Yeah, look so, at the room, man. No, I get it. <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah. You happy with where your organization's going? No, I'm not at all, actually. Okay, so let's talk, <laughs> let, let's actually talk about the list. All right, all right. Okay? Yeah. Because you know what? You've been nice to me, and you've said all these nice things, and we've we've had a whole podcast. It's time to get into the, the real stuff. Sure. Here. Your organization sucks. Okay. Okay? <laughs> and and Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas, yeah. and their little... Tiff. Tiff, yes. whatever you want to call tryst. it. <laughs> Honestly, Did the best thing, the best 15 seconds of radio slash podcasting slash whatever I have heard in the last year <laughs> has been your take on Mr. Treliving <laughs> and how he got there and how people feel about him. Can well, you remind us of that? Or can you just play it on the podcast? Because yeah, it's one will, of your best I moments. I will drop it in here. It's one of your best moments. I don't have it at my fingertips. No, because the you time, know what you said? By the time they hear it. Uh, you said. Yes. He's the Boston pizza of NHL GM. But we've landed on Brad Treliving. And for people who don't know, his father is Jim Treliving of uh, Dragon's Den and owns the uh, the Boston pizza chain. <laughs> and that is almost, to me, the perfect analogy to getting Brad Treliving to be your GM in Toronto. When you are sitting there with your buddies talking about where you're going to go tonight, what you're going to have for dinner, and you sort of settle on Boston pizza. Like, it'll be fine. No one's really excited about it, but you know it'll be okay, and you'll have a couple beers, and the food will be fine. But no one's, like, over the moon, like, we have to go to Boston pizza. And that's sort of where I'm at with with Brad True Living. I think he's okay. He'll do fine, but there's nothing exciting about this in my mind. Right. He's, Here you go. It's it'll fine. It'll be fine. No one was excited. When we sat down to go out tonight, no one was jumping up and down we have to go to boston pizza but you sort of wear each other down you're just like fuck let's just whatever we'll go to boston pizza it's we'll have good. a beer too it'll be fine yeah but no one's pumped about it no. that's, that's brad for living yes that is brad for living whose father is jim for living who owns the boston pizza welcome chain. to the new era of the toronto maple yes yeah okay yeah. well i don't think i've shied away from that you said it yourself it's my take right? it's going downhill <laughs> it is Good, and I can't wait to watch you and everybody else roll down the hill with it. Well, that's very nice, man. Thank you for, uh, I've, I've done my best to be a good host here. Today. I know you have. You really have. I understand when it comes to the Leafs, it's hard to uh, to have much sympathy. Um, oh, I don't at all. And uh, the second they trade Nylander. Oh. Don't do it. I love Willie. I know. Yeah. And they're going to trade him. I know. And he's going to be awesome. Of for course. Else. Gonna, yeah. Probably Ottawa. We're going to get one year to brink it, and that'll be the deal. It'll be... Oh, no, please. No, let's not do that. <laughs> no, let's do that. Let's let's actually do that. Willie. He's, he's going to be the Jack Eichel of 2022. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Could be. That's not a nice host. <laughs> I thought we'd crossed over that line. No. Um, 
it, it's funny when you look at the second day was better. Domi and Bertuzzi are like, oh, stop okay. it. Oh, hold, hold on, on no, hold no, on. No, yeah. Let me stop. All right, no. Right, all right. Sorry. All right. Max Domi is a piece of crap. Agreed. Okay? He's a piece of crap hockey player. He's a piece of crap, crap guy. Person. Agreed. Okay? Okay. Your organization's not better for having Max Domi. That was Max the one Domi. thing about... No, I agree with you. That is the the difference. I, I texted this to somebody on the night that it happened. Like, Kyle Dubas at least made an effort to have decent people in the organ. You can argue whether or not his teams were yes. good, but he at least tried to have decent people in the organ. That appears to be out the window at this point with this new group. Uh, Max Domi can probably contribute something offensively on the ice. He's awful defensively, but they signed him. They signed Tyler Bertuzzi and they signed John Klingberg. And the only person they give any term to is Ryan Reeves at 36 years old. They give him three years. I actually don't mind the Reeves signing. Ah, oh, come on. I don't. Because three years for a 36 year old face puncher. You're good with that. Yep. Because those you can't guys, catch up to anyone whose face he wants to punch. Okay. But those guys don't age nearly as quickly as we other just guys. We did the Wayne because, Simmons thing. Because they don't. And Wayne Simmons play was a better much. hockey player than Ryan Reeves. But you don't need him to be a good hockey player. I kind of need someone to be. But not Ryan that Reeves. Bottom six, but not, not no, no, very good but not right Ryan Reeves. This is the Chris Neal factor from two thousand seventeen when Chris Neal came into the playoffs and made a difference. Punched out a Ranger, or for, two. and he played two minutes and thirty five seconds in that game. Like, come on, Ryan Reeves is actually good for this team. Klingberg, we'll see. Brutal. I actually, brutal. I actually don't mind the Tyler Bertuzzi signing. I, no, the Bertuzzi signings. Whatever. Bertuzzi signing yeah. is quite good. One year, 5.5 million. No risk there. No. It's a reasonable contract. Yeah. It's, he it. might score 30 goals for us. That'd be fine. 100%. Yeah. Everything else. Unfortunately for Max Domi, he's going to be a guy that probably on a gifted team will overachieve in the regular season mm-hmm. and will be Nazem Kadri 2.0 in the playoffs. He will do something stupid and he will hurt your hockey team. I don't think that's true. Oh, he will. Last year? No, you mark my words. He will see, hurt the thing your that team. Leafs fans are not understanding about this signing is that Max Domi is not Ty Domi. And he doesn't play like everybody's like, well, we need some grit, some whatever. Max Domi, you want to take a wild stab at how many hits he threw this past season? Yeah, he was banged up this year. No, how but, many? How many? A uh, hundred? 22. That's not good. One every four games he thought, I'll throw a hit. <laughs> His career high in hits, 53. You know what that would be? That is one shy of what Alex Kerfoot gave you this year in Toronto. The least physical guy you can think of. And you're like, well, we got gritty Max Domi. No, you didn't. You got just a guy. He's just a guy. It, it, It has not been a good start. I like Tyler Bertuzzi. I've been unhappy with just about everything else. That's where I stand on that, man. Unhappy with my Leafs right now. Get Willie done. You won't. <laughs> you can't afford it. That didn't help me very much. You can't afford it. No. Unless don't. you want to trade Marner. I kind of do. Okay, well, let's discuss this. Like, we're <laughs> off to a whole other portion <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah. So let's discuss trading Mitch Marner. Because I actually don't disagree with you. Because yeah. you could get a whole lot from Mitch Marner. And you could improve your hockey team mm-hmm. drastically. And he's the only but, one of the guys so far who has been drastically overpaid. So if you're trading Mitch Marner, yeah. are you... Losing the trade. We are losing the trade. Are you understanding that you're losing Austin Matthews? No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> no, we're not. 
They're buddies. He's going to get locked up this year. Austin Matthews will get signed this year. For how long? Three, four years. Probably $13.5 million. Cap about to explode next year. That's how that's going to have to work. But Austin Matthews knows on top of the that money, he also gets whatever. Bauer money, Tim Hortons money, whatever else he wants to do in Toronto, right? He can make extra money there. Mitch Marner is a very good hockey player, like a Selkie nominee. Uh, no, he's not a Selkie nominee. What he is he got is, silky votes. Yeah, I say that. What what he is is an overrated defensive player because people want in Toronto to make him important. That guy, honestly, in in a in a big moment, if he's not on the penalty kill on a five on five moment, is not a good defensive player in a big moment. He's not. So, what do you think he's worth on the cap? He's making ten point eight nine three right now. Yeah, he's probably worth ten. Yeah, see, I would have said nine, nine and a half. Okay, but, well, but yeah, yeah, we're so in the we're neighborhood. S- we're in so, the neighborhood. Okay, so nine and a half, we're quibbling over five hundred thousand. Right. So to me, Matthews got what he was worth. Willie got probably underpaid by about a million bucks, and mm-hmm. that was sweet. And Mitch probably got about two million more than he should have had. Right. So in theory, for the group, it sort of averages out. But now, how's John Tavares? Is he good? He's still a point of game guy. Stop it. It Stop costs it. you what it costs you to get a free agent to Stop. come there. He Stop took it. less than he was offered. Stop it. What? Because What's he, the problem? Because if I were to put the most overpaid people in the National Most Hockey overpaid. League, okay. Most overpaid. Most overpaid. John Tavares would be on the top three. Yes or no? No. Okay. Tell me the top three then. Uh, this was your exercise. Right. Who else is in your top three? Uh, right now, John Klingberg. At four and a half million. Oh, stop! The Toronto it. Maple Leafs. John Tavares makes eleven million dollars. Yes. Still worth at least nine. He's not. He absolutely. He's is. not. A he first just put line. up another point a game. Yeah. He's not a first line player. Yeah. He wins faceoffs. Mm-hmm. Love that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Four million bucks right there. <laughs> oh my god. This is why, folks, Leafs fans are so delusional because they think John Tavares is even in the ballpark of $11 million. He's not. He's, he's a the $6 to $7 million dollar player. And No. Yes. What big goal did John Tavares score for you this year in the playoffs? <laughs> Overtime winner against Tampa Bay to move us on to the second round. It's a pretty big goal. Was a pretty big goal. Right. You did not just tee me up for that. Do you think John Tavares was a good playoff <laughs> no, no, player? No, no, no. Do you think he was a good playoff player this year? Uh, no, he's starting to struggle in the middle. Like He's I think- an $11 million yeah. player. Yes. He shouldn't be struggling anywhere. Okay, but when you sign that guy five years ago and you assume the cap is going to do what it's going to do, and Kyle Dubas isn't promised that. That's a risk that he takes, but it's a risk that every GM takes all the time. And at this point, if the cap had continued to do what it was supposed to do, that $11 million feels like eight seven five nine, like $9 million right now. Would you give me that? If it had kept creeping up, this feels less onerous, right? And they knew that. They knew the last two years was going to be rough. And so I think John Tavares, at still a point a game, at still 30, 35 goals, is right there, man. He, he's he's not eleven million anymore. No, but is he still a nine million dollar player? Yeah, to me, that's so. Probably- if you're a nine million dollar player, should you not be in the top f- 
five at your position? At center? No. No, at his position. So, okay, let's do the math. Is he McDavid? No. Is he Matthews? No. Is he McKinnon? No. Like, we're starting to run out of centers pretty quick that you're going to disqualify him, right? Like, right. So I don't know. Is he Barkov? No. 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 Well. Well, what? Well, (laughs) so then he's not an $11 million player. He's not a $9 million player. All right. We can get bogged down here. John Tavares, right now, that contract looks worse than it was supposed to look. You can blame whoever you want for that. And Kyle has to wear that. Like any GM who signed a contract right before the, 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 the COVID lockdown, you were never guaranteed that the cap would keep going up. He is untradeable. Well, he has an NMC. No, 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 no. You could trade. Matt, listen to me. You could trade John. Matt, no, you couldn't. Not, not at full value. You'd have to retain. At full value? What could you get for John Tavares? Depends where you want to send him. Okay. Let's discuss. Stop. Stop. We have three different arguments going on here. I don't know which one of them you want to have. Now you're on to the fact that he's untradeable. It, before it was, is he a top five player at his position? Before that, you had him a top three most overrated contract in the league. I don't know which one of these you want to do, but I just finished having this argument with somebody and I looked it up. Stick with me here because there are 32 teams in the league times three players on every top line. That's 96 players. And John Tavares is right around 60th at five on five points. This is just five on five, and I know you don't want to go into power play because everyone says it's five on five, where Tavares is struggling and he's raking on the power play. He is raking on the power play, but he's not struggling at five on five. Like I said, right around 60th puts you out of 96 players on top lines, solidly still a top line guy. And this is ahead of at five on five points, this is ahead of Aho. This is ahead of Barkov and Bergeron and Marshan and Kaprizov, Huberto. I don't know what we're talking about here when we say John Tavares is spent. Canada's most underrated, blah, 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 Kyle Connor at five on five points per 60, 2.13. John Tavares, 2.17. So I, I just, I don't have time for this argument. Has he slowed down? Yes. Is he still solidly putting up first line production? Clearly, yes. I, I know you don't like him. You don't like the contract, that's fine. And the contract hasn't aged as well as you'd want it to. But this is not a disaster. You would not sit here and say to me that Aho and Barkov and Kaprizov are tailing off at the end of their primes and this guy is solidly outperforming them. That's just the numbers, man. Those are just the facts. How much longer do we got to get bogged down on this? Who's hosting this shindig? Me. (laughs) At this point, yeah, pretty clearly. You asked all the tough questions in (laughs) round number one. (laughs) You could easily trade easily trade John Tavares at <laughs> seven or eight million dollars. But that, like if you retained three or four million, you could easily trade that guy. If it wasn't for his NMC. Okay, but you have to eat some of the yep. contract. Yep. I'm not telling do you, you do it's you, a do great you know what, contract. Do you know what top five players in the league you don't have to eat their contracts? Almost nobody right now. Nobody's got any cap space, but Yeah, I know what you're saying. No, you would not have to eat money to trade McDavid. Or right. Dreisaitl right. or McKinnon. Welcome to the team, Connor. No one's trying to compare John Tavares to Nathan McKinnon. But Austin Matthews. Yeah, Austin Matthews. You should be comparing to those guys. Okay. So Don't you think? Yeah. MVP, sixth goal guy last year. Yeah. Pretty rough year this year. Big playoff guy. All right. Um. <laughs> Scored like, what? I think it was five goals in six games in the first round. It's pretty good, man. Yeah. 
Big second round opponent. Not, the all right, Panthers. So stop moving the goalposts here. <laughs> I agree. They all, all of the big guys sucked in round two. I've said that on here a few times. So Not good enough. Pretty to watch. Yeah, I bet. So pretty. What were the Devils doing at that point? Uh, in the second teams? round. Yeah. Just getting ready to bail right out as well. So if you were to bet on who. The Devils will have an amazing year this thank, year. Thank you. An amazing year. If you were to bet in the next three years who has more success, the Leafs of the Devils, Devils, you would. Okay. Yep. Same. Yep. yep. And we're, we're on the same page. Getting Jack and Mike, done at, what is he, 8 million? Yeah. Fuck. I know. Killer. You bring in Toffoli, it's just like, oh yeah, let's just throw another 30 goal guy I on the love pile. Tyler Toffoli. Of course you do. So Tyler Toffoli. How do you become a Devils fan? What I was has a, happened to you? I was his Euchre partner. Tyler Toffoli's? Yeah. Where? On the buses with the 60s. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, but you were a Devils fan before he got there. Strange kid. Okay. But, <laughs> no, and I mean that in the most positive sure. way. Like, didn't fit in with a lot of the other guys on the 67s. Yeah. Because he always kind of knew what he needed to do, and he always went his own way. But I hate... Oh, <laughs> keep going. You have a... That's all I got. You have a solid voice. I do not at all. No, singing Fleetwood Mac. You have a solid, solid voice. So Toffoli never fit in with the 67s, but everyone... He got got kind of shafted on the World Junior thing, too. Was that his attitude, do you think? Like, was he just a little weird? No, because here's the thing. If you ask me right now, which I know as a good host, you'll probably ask me. I I thought I was done hosting this. Who are the best... Like, I covered the 67s for a long time. TV, radio. um, The best three players I ever saw. Sean Monaghan. Yep. Okay. Tyler Toffoli. Yep. One more. I don't know. Still a kind of star for the San Jose Sharks. Alan McCauley. Logan Couture. (laughs) Yes. If you go through all of those guys, they couldn't. Like Logan Couture, Sean Monahan, especially Tyler Toffoli. Not the best skater. Yeah. Not the best. Pretty th- well-rounded player. Yeah. But, but no one standout never. skill. But all three, th- three smartest players I ever saw. Hmm. Because always got to the point where they needed to be without doing it like in a drill. Not the fastest skater, not the hardest shot, not this, not that. But when they needed to be in an area on the ice, yes. for Toffoli to score, for um, Monaghan to pass and score, and really for Couture to pass, yeah, they were always in the spot where they needed to be at the right time. Always. So take me through this, though. How do you end up a New Jersey Devils fan? Do you want to hear the boring story? I do. I, I want to hear it, man. Okay. Well, as a guy who was grew up... Was it just that they kept beating the Leafs nope. in the playoffs? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm going to show my age here a little bit. But as a guy who grew up in Toronto mm-hmm. and only got Leaf games on TV and watched Alan Bester and Ken Reggett <laughs> and Dan Dawu and Greg Tarion and Miroslav Freacher and Peter Inacek... And Al Iafredi and all of the guys. You could not be throwing down your age any harder, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Here but, it is, everybody. And here comes Gino. Look at it. Okay. They're going to play St. Louis in the playoffs. Here comes Gino Cavallini. But is it Paul Cavallini? No, it's Gino. Shoots in the blue line, scores through Bester's legs. I'm done. <laughs> I just 
at, <laughs> at 12 or 13 years old, I'm like, I'm Fuck these guys. finished. I wish I could do that. I need a new team. Yeah. So <laughs> incredibly in Toronto, because it wasn't like it is now, right? Where there were Leaf games on, but that was it. Yeah. The last game of the regular season in 1988 on Omni Channel, which yeah, is the yeah. multi- CFMT. Yes. Yes. The multicultural <laughs> channel in Toronto, Channel 4 on your yep. rabbit ears cable. Channel 47, Cable 4. Yes. <laughs> Somebody appreciates <laughs> that. Yes. I'm pounding the desk. I'm sorry for the reverb, but that's my favorite moment so far. <laughs> okay. Channel 47, Cable 4. That was it, man. Okay. <laughs> Last game of the regular season. For no reason at all, or someone would have to explain to me why the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks and the New Jersey Devils were on on a Sunday afternoon yeah. on Omni. But they were. So in the game, I started watching the game. I was 12. And I was like, I need a new team. Screw this. I'm done with the Leafs. I'm done with Bester. I'm done with Reagan. I'm done with it all. <laughs> so I watched the game, and as the announcers, and it was Gary Thorne calling wow, the game, actually. Okay, yeah. Which, you know, Gary Thorne, a legendary voice awesome. in broadcast, yeah. is calling the game. And they're explaining that New Jersey needs to win the game to make the playoffs. Right. Last game of the regular season. But they can't get one point. They have to get two. They go to overtime. In Chicago, the old Chicago Stadium. Yep. It's Saren Pang. So now in the five minutes, they have to score. John McClain scores. Yeah, okay. And the Devils make the playoffs for the first time in their franchise history. <laughs> and I had followed Sean Burke yeah. a little bit. Sean Burke had played for the Olympic Canadian team. Canadian Olympic. F- yeah, in February and came and played with the Devils at the end of the year. But I'm like, okay, like this seems fun. But then they went into the first round, and I always get this mixed up whether they played Washington or the Islanders in the first round. But they played one of them in the first round, one in the second round, and they won each of those series in seven games. They got to the Stanley Cup semifinals. They played Boston, and that was the Don Koharski, Jim Schoenfeld. Have a donut. Go have another donut. Yeah. Incident, which (laughs) I have an unbelievable story from last year interviewing at the same time Doug Gilmore and Kirk Muller, wow, which is okay. one of the <laughs> awesome, it was at the Canadian golf course uh, for the Ottawa Hospital Foundation. But they told me a story about how it all went down. But so when that happened, the referees went on strike, right? Yes. Well, the referees came out <laughs> in pennies, yellow pennies in yep. game six. Yep. They were actually... Um, Guys that just played beer league hockey in New Jersey. <laughs> Only in the NHL. Right. Only in the <laughs> NHL. Beer league hockey. And that they knew these guys and they watched them and they were fans. Now they're refereeing game six of the Stanley Cup semifinals. Okay. It should be a 30 for 30. Yeah, honestly. Because what happened is that the referees went to um, Kirk Muller. And they went to, uh, oh, who did they say? They went to somebody at Boston. Um, I can't remember who they went to. Yeah. But, but they went to the captains and Tom they- Tom Donato. I think it was Neely, but I- <laughs> Probably, I'm, yeah. But they went to the captains and they begged them 
and pleaded with them not to fight <laughs> because they're like, we can't break this up. Yeah. We are not capable of breaking this up. We are not officials. And this is going to turn into a shit show. <laughs> so please, st- whatever you do for us. Don't press the The referee's <laughs> begging them, <laughs> yeah. begging them to not do this. And I think if you go back, you'll see that the penalty calls were even. Devils won the game. Right. Game seven. They lost in Boston Garden, game seven, to go to the Stanley Cup final. But that was it for me. I was in. I'm a Devils fan. I got a John McClain who scored the goal in overtime in Chicago. I got an old green, red, and white John McClain yeah. with the fighting strap yeah. jersey. With the green shoulder. Yep. Yes. Okay. I, I have it. it. Very pristine. And from then on, probably the only time I ever shed a tear in my eye when it came to the Devils and sports and hockey. I shouldn't say sports because in football, I've shed a couple of Cowboys tears. <laughs> um, but I literally shed a tear. So game seven, 94. Against uh, Messier's after Messier guarantee. Gar- after Messier's guarantee in game six. Absolute crap. Rangers scored, I think, in the first or second minute of game seven. Won nothing the entire way. Double scored with seven seconds to go. Do you know who scored? John McLean. Valerie Zelopukin. No way. There's a name from the past. At Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And it went to double overtime. And that was, of course, Stefan Mateau, Mateau, Mateau. Mateau. Yeah, yeah. Off the skate of Petisov <laughs> through the legs at Martin Brodeur, And the Rangers go on to win the cup. And it... It had this like heartbreak for me, but it also instilled the now I hate somebody so much, <laughs> and I hate I hated Mark Messier. I hated. I still kind of do him and his stupid potato chip award and his, his oh measuring go leadership. Go look, and, go look uh, up his seven years in Vancouver as the greatest leader in the history of pro sports. Yeah, yeah. and it's a shit narrative. The, I hate that. the guy. Literally didn't make the playoffs, but apparently he's the greatest leader in the history of pro sports. But also. Your heartbreak lasted one year. <laughs> the Devils won the cup in 95. Correct. But it was a strike-shortened season. Yes. But they did sweep the Red Wings in the final where Jim Dowd scored a couple of big goals in... Um, sure. Jim Dowd. Yeah. <laughs> huge. Why wouldn't he? Right. <laughs> Legendary. But, yeah. but you're right. My heartbreak turned into... Um, and then a couple years later, you'd punt the shit out of the Leafs a couple times. 95, they won the Cup. Yeah. 2000, they won in double overtime in Game 6 in Dallas. I remember the deep in the heart of Texas. Jason Arnott. Yep. I still have the photo of Brodeur. They took a picture of him in Sports Illustrated. You know how they always had that first picture in Sports Illustrated that was like the picture? Yeah. They had the picture of him. Um, he jumped up when Arnott scored. He had jumped up, but they took it from behind the net, and it looked like... He had jumped over the net just from the angle <laughs> sure. of the way they took it. And I blew it up and I put it in my room. Yeah. And that was my that was my picture. Okay. And then I watched the Devils win game seven and they win again in 03. Yeah. Against Anaheim. What was it, twelve or fourteen? They went up against LA. Twelve, yeah. Yes. Uh, but they got down three games to none, came back and won the next two games and then lost in game Wasn't six. Wasn't there some sort of like Porn star controversy uh, in that cup final. Something, some. Don't you love porn star fun? controversies? Of course I do. Yeah. yeah. That's why I bring it up here. And <laughs> say things you don't have to say on the radio. 
look, we only got you for a few more minutes, man. We got to talk a little bit of wrestling. Yes. We have not done that yet. Um, a couple of weeks ago, AEW Collision, their new Saturday night primetime show mm-hmm. uh, in Toronto, as well as Forbidden Door. And I know for wrestling fans, uh, <laughs> we circle back to porn. Maybe the Forbidden Door means something else. Oh, but okay. See, if, uh, but it is, in theory, for a while, AEW was doing this thing where we're going to bring in guys from other companies, right? Impact, right. New Japan, ROH, or Mexico, whatever it might be. The Forbidden Door, if you're a comic book nerd, is sort of the, we're going to let people cross between brands. And that was something that the right. WWE, who was the biggest show in town forever, would never do. They never. do not promote other companies. AEW would. And so that's where the name of this particular show comes from. This mm-hmm. is the second time they've had Forbidden Door, and it's essentially AEW guys versus New Japan guys. Uh, you were there. I didn't catch the show. I watched some highlights after the fact. I was certainly in on the podcast that you guys did. This is wrestling both before and after, um, and caught some videos of different crowd reactions. What was it like in Toronto? Toronto at times considers itself a smart wrestling city at other times. It's just kind of crazy town and, yeah. and they do whatever they want to do. What was it like down there for two nights of, uh, of AEW wrestling? So it was pretty wild. Uh, the Saturday night collision show, they taped it off. I want to say it was about 8,000. Okay. At the ACC. Yeah. Or Scotiabank Arena or whatever. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but 8,000 of the most insane crowd, hardcore, crazy wrestling fans. <laughs> So I thought they taped Ring of Honor uh, an hour before. Then they went live for two hours for Collision, which was the second ever show for Collision. Yeah, second episode only. Yeah. Yeah. And then they taped about an hour after Hmm. Ring of Honor. So the whole night I would call probably a B minus or a C plus. Based on what you were given or what the crowd was like? Uh, What we were given. Okay. However, mm-hmm. and this is a big but, from 9.30 to 10 o'clock. Second, the final quarter final, hour The of final collision. quarter hour. Yeah. CM Punk and FTR right. were in a six-man tag. And it was probably the hottest crowd I've ever seen. Really? So usually when people come out that people are really excited about like a CM Punk you get the uh, reactions from people coming out. You get the music, people singing along. The guy hits the ring. And there's this kind of two or three minute, okay, we're really, really excited. And yeah. then everyone sits down. Right. It never happened. Hmm. From the nine, crowd just kept going. From 9.30 to 10 o'clock, nobody sat down. Everyone chanted. People screaming at the top of their lungs. It was just whatever song, whatever chant they could get going. I have never been a part of a crowd Hmm. like that from 9.30 to 10 for that match. Half the people booing CM Punk. Sure. Half the people cheering him. um, Which one were you? Cheering. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big punk guy. I am too. And I'm kind of a mark for that shit. Yeah, I, I I was excited. I bought both of his UFC fights, knowing he was going to punch the fuck out in the first minute. Like, <laughs> no, I'm a big punk guy, and look, I know people don't want to hear about all the behind the scenes yeah. stuff in wrestling, but when CM Punk won the world title last year, 
they got into a real fight in the locker room. CM, yeah. P- CM Punk did. He was he shit on some guys during his press conference. Walked yep. back, got in a fist fight with a couple of guys in the in the locker room. Yeah, and by a couple of guys, the <laughs> guys who helped start the executive company. <laughs> vice presidents of the company and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and um, not guys to fight. Right, but in saying that, CM Punk did crap on them, mm-hmm. which he shouldn't have. But he also went back into his locker room and the executive vice presidents walked into his locker room and picked a fight with him mm-hmm. and somehow wanted to be the good guys. Yeah. Well, well, you said this when you were here in March. There's that he'd be back. Yep. He, this, they were allowing this to just yep. simmer into a story. And, a, and they are, yeah. and they can, they will continue to do that. They'll work together, right? Of course they will. Yeah. Because yeah. it's good business for everyone. Yep. Can make some money here. And that's all that matters. At the end of the day, making money for all of those people. But so the crowd during that time was as hot as I've ever seen a crowd. Right. For that half hour. They never sat down. No one ever shut up. It was just. So it's like the equivalent of a Raw. This is a TV show. Yes. The night before a pay-per-view. So I was exhausted. (laughs) And I can't believe they taped an hour of Ring of Honor afterwards. Because maybe they didn't think the crowd was going to be that hot. But the hour afterwards was not good. Killed people. Right? Killed people. Yeah. So went home, went to Amsterdam Brewery, went to a couple other places. That night? Uh, went before the show to Amsterdam okay. Brewery on Saturday. On Sunday, went to Goose Island. Okay, yeah. Um, in Toronto. Was very good. Had a very good mango wheat beer. Nice. All right. Uh, a very good chai latte stout. Oh, now you're talking my language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that yeah. was outstanding. That's my shit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they were very, very good. And then we went to Forbidden Door on the Sunday. Um, long, long, like I'm a wrestling geek. I love wrestling. I was in my seat uh, for Collision at 5.30 on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. They said the show was starting at 6. It didn't start till 7, even though they were saying it started at 6. <laughs> um and I left my seat at 11 o'clock Saturday night. Right. I got back to my seat at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. Uh, the show started at 7. The pay-per-view started at 8. It ended at midnight. And then we drove home five hours. It's too long, though. It's too long. The shows are too long. It's too long. It's way too long. Now, in saying that, if I were to show a first-time ever wrestling fan a match... I probably would show them Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay. Yeah. Uh, and say, hey, just watch this and tell me how you feel after it. But sit down and watch the whole thing. It was incredible life. Like just mind numbing. That's that's what wrestling fans want. That's what we all get into it because you're we watch it. It's like sports. You watch it because even if the Sens win 5-2, Somebody struggled. You can nitpick at somebody. Yep. A bad goal went in. This guy didn't come back on a back check. It there will be stuff it for us to talk about. Right. It could have cost them a goal. They were lucky to get this goal. It's not a perfect game. Right. This was a perfect match. This was everything you would ever want in a true wrestling fans match. It's so interesting for non-wrestling fans listening to us right now. Right. There's the show... Right, like who talks 
and gets you invested in the story, right? right? But when you watch, like, let's go as big as we can, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Yep. That's not a good wrestling match. It is a huge spectacle. No, it's a terrible wrestling match. But it's a spectacle. Right. And so AEW, when you look at a match like Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, this is the athleticism, the gymnastics, the, are either one of them ever going to draw money as huge stars like Hogan and Andre? No, but this is the other side of the coin. When the bell rings, mm-hmm. this is what wrestling fans want to watch. And it, it sounds silly if you don't understand the business, but it's like watching ice dancing or gymnastics, right? Like mm-hmm. these are guys working together to simulate a fight and Hogan and Andre weren't very good at it, but they were huge stars. Right. Whereas Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega, stars in their own right, wrestling fans love them, but the match that they will put on when you are just sitting around the ring watching what these guys do with each other blows you away. So you want to go back to Hogan and Andre on that same That's card. Example. No, but on that same card at WrestleMania 3, a lot of people think that Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Macho Man Randy Savage was... One best of the match. best matches ever. Yes. Well, that match was as choreographed a match as you'll ever Two ever guys, weeks in advance. Months. Practicing. Months. Working it out. Right. So that when we get there, we will... It's a dance routine. They right. practice together. Yeah. Months. Yes. No wrestling match I, in my my history of it that I can find has been more choreographed and more time spent yeah. pre-rehearsed than that match. Yeah. But people talk about it as one of the greatest matches because it was so smooth. You get well, there on the big stage, on right. TV, that day, they know what to do and it comes off yeah. amazing. It was so smooth because they had practiced yep. it a million times. Yep. Now, in this match, they hadn't practiced it a million times, but they're so gifted. Yes. And they're so adept at what they do. I think as sports fans, we want to we want our teams to win, but we never think they're going to be perfect. Right, like even I'm a, I'm a massive Cowboys fan, and even in games where they're up twenty seven to ten, and they're, yeah. and I know well, the Leafs are up four one. Yeah. I, I assume we're fine here. This yeah. is going to be. But fine. I know that they're going to win. <laughs> yeah, they're doing things that are making my hair come out. Yep. This match was, from a wrestling fan's perspective, as good as it gets. Like I just. I couldn't pick apart one thing yeah. that happened in it. And from from the drama to the athleticism to the intrigue to to false finishes to things that it was just perfection. Well, let me and, ask you because we talked away. about how long these shows are yeah. and how that can wear out your crowd. Yeah. How was the audience for that one? So the audience was amazing for that one because it was perfectly timed. So the pay-per-view started at 8 o'clock. Yeah. That match came on at 10. So you are, this is sort of what I've been building to. This is a main event slot, as long as you don't carry on two hours afterwards, right? Like, you haven't worn out your The problem yet. is the third last match. Yeah. So it went almost an hour. Right. By the time everything was said and done. So the next six people that were out included Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Canadian legend. Right. I've never heard a softer... I was at SummerSlam Crowd. before. They didn't care about him there. No, but just like <laughs> people love to sing Judas. They love to 100%. sing. 100%. Not then. No. They were worn out. I'm tired. They were worn out. I'm spent. Give me a cigarette. And then <laughs> the last match 
were like, please get over early. Please get over early. That started at 11. I think it actually ended in about 20 minutes, yeah. which wasn't bad. Uh, by the time well, Danielson got hurt. Right? Yeah, but then Danielson and Okada came on, and you're like, you know you're going to be here for 40 minutes. Yeah. And then Danielson got hurt, and you knew he got hurt, but you couldn't, you didn't understand exactly what happened. Right. In the live crowd, maybe it was less obvious than it was on for sure it HD was. television. For sure it yeah. was. And then we actually listened. I didn't know exactly what happened until we listened to the press conferences on the way home. Right. Which is cool because it was like a post-game show. Sure. And you're listening to Brian Danielson talk on a post-game show that he broke his forearm. Yeah. 10 minutes ago. It's kind of a game breaker. But it was a shock at the end, the way that that match ended. So that match was not nearly what the Osprey Omega match was, but it had the shocking ending. Yeah. So it was a really good night. Best uh, show you've seen live? Yes. Yeah. No question. Um, I've seen a lot of shows. Yeah. Some really good. Some in Detroit with the giant and Hogan with- <laughs> Tumbling off Cobo Hall. With cars tumbling off Cobo Hall. And I'm watching it on a screen when I've paid 200 bucks to sit second row. You were at that show, eh? Not so much. Halloween Havoc. I was at that show, Halloween Havoc. And drove home in a snowstorm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a not a great memory. No. But I've also been at fantastic matches along the way. A lot of ECW matches that were like I, I've seen um Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. I've seen Rey Mysterio against um oh I mean Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, <laughs> sure. yeah. some of the guys like It's a lot of lucha. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of that's the best match I've ever seen. Hmm. Osprey and Omega ever live. Um so I don't know about the rest of the card, but... Did that, the crowd come back for no. Danielson? And, uh, uh, as much as they could have. Yeah. I'll give them credit, yeah. as much as they could have. But it's long, there was almost man. no responding from how long those events are. You can't ask people to be in their seats at 6.30 and at midnight ask them to be at the top of their game. Right. And, and like this is one of those things that I think we saw for the final time at WrestleMania. It was the triple threat match, right? Becky Lynch... Uh, Ronda Rousey Charlotte and Charlotte Flair. Yeah. And it was like midnight before they're doing the helicopter entrance and oh. they've been on for seven and a half hours and you're just, the crowd Incredible. is spent. I'm watching on TV and I, this is your main event. I'm done. I don't care. And so the next year yeah. they go, you know what? Instead of doing one seven hour long show, we'll just do two five hour shows. It's like, no, you've missed the point. Like find your biggest stories. One kind of three and a half, four hour show. Yeah. Instead, most of these companies are just new now doing like a five-hour night. You're just, so, it's too much. Okay, so let me hit you with this. Yeah. If you pay, like we went live. Yeah. But if you pay, it was 50 bucks American to get that show. On TV, yeah. 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 So there is a balance of getting your money's yeah. worth yeah. by paying that much money. If you give me four hours of really good action, I'm happy, man. Okay, so Forbidden Door was exactly four hours. Eight o'clock to midnight. I guess you're right. I guess you're right, man. But it. So now I sat through the well, pre-show and half an hour before yeah, the pre-show. Your live crowd has still been there for a bit. My live, the live crowd, like we knew because of collision that we got there too early. Right. And we're worn out. Yeah. So we went and thought, okay, we're getting there late. We got there at 645. They didn't open the doors till like six fifteen. It was in the lines in Toronto were insane. And if I didn't have really like adept friends who just butted in the middle of a line, 
and then said, oh, come on over here. And then we, we butted into some other security line and we were in in 15 minutes where other people waited two hours to get in. Yeah. But I took a girl I was seeing once who couldn't possibly have cared less. She was just good egg. Came with me to yeah. a SummerSlam in Toronto. Okay. And uh, we're standing in the tunnel between Union Station and uh, the Air Canada Centre. Yeah. Just waiting and waiting. It's getting hotter and hotter and there's more and And everybody all over the place is just like hollering back and forth. Woo! Woo! Just yeah. Ric Flair. Ch- and she's kind of looking at me like, where have you taken me? I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. What is happening? I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I yeah. appreciate you. Because there was a few like, Adam Cole! <laughs> and then, Baby! Yeah. Call and answer, right? Yeah. That's all that's a lot of that going yeah. on. Yeah. But there is an issue with the shows being too long. Yeah. I don't know where the balance is between somebody at home paying 50 bucks American to get value in their show without it going on. But this is a wrestling thing, right? We've talked about, and that, that sounds obvious, but like, remember Survivor Series in Toronto, Brock versus Goldberg? Yeah. And it was over in like three minutes. And wrestling fans were pissed. Right. I'm a guy, and look, I think I had stolen that, so I didn't care. Like, I didn't feel ripped off. I found an illegal stream. But I'll buy a UFC pay-per-view, mm-hmm. and there is no guarantee that any of these fights go more than two minutes long. Right. But as a wrestling fan, because they can pre-program it, they can hook you and take you along and tell you a story, you're not used to that, right? So when Goldberg comes out and they trade a couple punches a couple times, hits a spear, hits a jackhammer, and it's over in two minutes, as a wrestling fan, you feel ripped off because the main event is supposed to be a 25-minute, you know? It, it, yeah. It's funny. I'm happy to pay for that for the UFC because it's unpredictable. It's real. It's right. And when wrestling hits you with it, you're like, oh, you kind of screwed me here a little bit. So I don't know what the, the trade-off is or what the magic bullet so is, right? For Forbidden Door, which is the, they bring a lot of the wrestlers from New Japan. If Offspray and Omega go nine minutes, you guys riot in that building. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So We're in a real fight. That could. But uh, then the problem is, is that I get out there and I'm excited to see, okay, you know what? I've never seen Tanahashi live. Sure. He was awful. <laughs> He was awful on Saturday and he was awful on Sunday. Right. And MJF was doing everything he possibly could drag. to carry this yes. to 20 minutes yeah. because that was the program time. And he was awful. Right. So you're right. Like it's just this. It's expectation. But I think you could bring change the, that. Though. I, I was I was more accepting it. of bringing in wrestlers from New Japan and giving them their time than I was on a normal show. Right. But to me. The sweet spot is probably three and a half. Yeah. Because if you're approaching four. Let me ask you this. Eight to midnight. How about seven to 11? Does that change it at all for you if you're in the live crowd? Like, are you less tired? It's a little earlier in the night. Like, is it maybe just a start time thing? Yes, but to get people at four o'clock in the afternoon on the yeah. West Coast to be able to yeah, sit the down. West Coast. Yes. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> screw the West Coast, eh? <laughs> I might move to Vancouver don't, Island. Don't have a lot of BC listeners on the pod. You, well, you should you because Vancouver Island is amazing. Yeah. Have you ever been? I have once. You go to Victoria? Yep. And then up into the mountain. Uh, I don't know you if go you call to, it mountains, hills, whatever. Yeah, we the went hills. for a little bit of a hike. It was it's a nice area. Enjoyed my time there. Shitty flight across the harbor. Shook the hell out. I'm a bad flyer. And they put you in these little crop dusters to. Well, get on the ferry. Yeah. Well, 
We didn't think of that. We were going to Victoria. Cheaper. Yeah. Fly from Toronto to Vancouver and they you, bounce you across the hey, harbor. Do you know you can get a Flair Airlines flight right now from Ottawa to Victoria for like a hundred and thirty bucks? Yeah, no, I didn't. Okay. I, I, well now you do. I don't like flying to begin with. I've never heard of Flare, so I assume it's a slingshot or catapult of some sort. <laughs> You've never heard of Flare? I mean, I've heard of it. I've never... Uh, oh, you should, I'm not familiar. You should try it. Okay. It's cheap. I one time sat on and a plane... And when it works out, it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. When it works out. <laughs> You'll when be happy does, to be alive. When it doesn't work out. But hey, that's all... I was on a flight once from Miami to Jacksonville on this tiny little thing. Yeah, that's not I was not so fun. nervous that I, like my hands were gripped on the armrest and one of them snapped off in my hand. Well, you're a strong guy. And the, the, the flight attendant who was sitting kind of facing us, right? Cause we were getting ready to lunch. She's like, oh, I've never seen that before. And I'm like, that's great. That's really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I Why are you flying plane. from Miami to Jacksonville? I had a thing in St. Augustine, Florida, but there was no direct Toronto to Jacksonville. So it was What Toronto. was in St. Augustine? Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's no, I'm interested. I uh, just rented a condo in St. Augustine. Okay. No. This I'll, year. I'll tell you off the air. Okay. I love St. Augustine. Yeah. Oh, we referenced it uh, in the intro. That's where you met a guy who yeah. was all about Breton Flats. And That's right. I love St. Now St. we find Augustine, out that Florida. the train station there is not, uh, yeah. not a thing, not available to handle big crowds no. after Canada. So. Um, Anyway, you should try the West Coast. I like the West Coast. I don't think you could start wrestling pay-per-views at four o'clock in the afternoon. And that's their problem because they want to cater to both sides and it's almost impossible. How much better is five o'clock really? You'd have to ask someone who lives on the West Coast, but I can tell you that 11 to midnight is the toughest hour to watch. Yeah. On the East Coast. Yeah. Because you just get into this weird, okay, I'm tired. It's late. I've had a couple of beers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They've probably and, shut off the tap. And now. then you do a podcast with yeah. a guy on the way home who's <laughs> snoring in the front seat. Yeah. Those, uh, if you, uh, if you people are into wrestling and even if you're not a couple of van episodes on either end yes. of, uh, of, uh, the forbidden door on the, this is wrestling. For this podcast. is wrestling the podcast, but yeah, we're going to do a little bit more. Uh, it's been tough. Like I said, Zach, um, has lost both his grandmother and grandfather in the past couple of weeks. And I think as a young person, um, not that I'm that much older than Zach, but I am that much older than Zach. Uh, you appreciate the fact that your troubles, like I've been through a little bit of death and I think other people who are, are have been a little bit older yeah. have been through it. And it's tough, man. It's really, really it hard. Uh, but for people who haven't been through it before, you have a sympathy for them. Right. Yes. And, yeah. um, and so doing the shows as somebody like he wanted to talk about, he was actually like really, really upset about me getting laid off. Of course. And I was trying to tell him how upset I was yep. for him about what he was actually well, going through. a couple of compassionate people. Because 23 man. years in a job, you're like, that's great. I would have, if somebody told me that at the beginning, it would have been awesome. Like. Yeah. I, I'm compassionate towards you for what you're going through. And so it's been an interesting few, few weeks. I thought, and I, I sent a D I knew you were coming in. So we'd talk about it. I sent a direct message to Zach after, uh, the first episode that you guys did after his grandfather had passed and after you had mm -hmm. been, uh, dismissed, I suppose from uh, TSN 1200 and I fired. You are fired. fired. I said, that was, you know, I, I don't. 
1,300 people got let go, so I wasn't the only one. I understand, <laughs> but you were so the when one I, I knew. Say it in that con- no, when I yeah. say it in that context, I wasn't really like, yeah, but I did uh, something wrong, so I was fired. It was more just worth like, trimming the, yeah. Go ahead, call me fat. I wasn't going to say fat. No, no, call was, me fat. It's fine. I don't, I don't get to do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> call me fat. I said to, to Zach that that was perhaps the most honest I don't know what you guys went before getting into like 45 minutes to an hour of, mm-hmm. of radio that I'd heard in a very long time of just, here's what I'm going through. Here's what you're going through. Right. Here's what we're both trying to work on and how we're, you know, appreciate what your audience was bringing, what you yeah. guys were trying to bring to them. It's not an easy thing to do to just stand up and be honest and, and frankly, for lack of a better word, be vulnerable in front of yeah. a, a listening audience that is familiar with you guys and, and comes to you. You know, for uh, we've talked about this before in terms of the how personal talk mm-hmm. radio can get or whatever. Those people are coming to you because they like your takes on wrestling, but they're coming to you because they like you, right? They want to hear you talk about wrestling, but they like you guys. That you've they've made you part of their routine, as you've yep. suggested before. We're a bit of a distraction, like. When people listen As to anyone you, is, yeah. Right? They're your distraction for people 100%. because of You're, whatever there else yeah. is happening to them in their lives, they get to listen to you talk about right. how bad the Leafs are. I was gonna say the Jays, but okay. <laughs> but to to sit down on like, a wrestling could they podcast, beat the Red like, Sox one that, time. That would be is it possible? I would love to see that happen. For once. Oh, and seven. Just once. This is the first time we've ever gone seven games to start a season without I the hate Red Sox. the Red Sox. Everybody does, man. Except Bunda. <laughs> Fucking Bunda. Anyway. Yeah, it, it just, to me, that was raw, honest talk. I'm going through something. You're going through something. Here's what it is. And, and, and the audience gets let in on it. And as you said on that episode, you know, at that point you're leaning on them as much as, right. as they're leaning on you. Probably more. Yeah. I think that, I think that's honest, man. I, I said that to Zach, the same thing. I said that that's not easy talk to do. And I was incredibly, uh, I don't know what the word impressed or whatever with what you guys folks, Matt Robinson's impressed with me. <laughs> Only took that's gotta be three worse. hours worth of radio to <laughs> Get podcasting to, to get him to say that. I, I, think, no, I, appreciate I think what I said was I was impressed I, with Zach. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I think so too. Um, I, I, I appreciate that, but it's it was so true. Yeah. Um, we're lucky and, and you're lucky to be able to do this and we were lucky to be on, on TSN 1200 yep. and we're still lucky to do the podcast to be a part of people's routines and distractions and all that stuff. But I don't, I can't remember being in a position where you kind of needed them mm-hmm. more then they listen to you for their distraction. Yep. Around um, here, man, at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm immune suppressed. I had a kidney transplant. Right. The beginning of the pandemic was pretty scary for me, man. Yeah. And I wasn't doing much. I wasn't seeing anybody. And so at that point, I'm coming in here every day pounding out a pod because what else am I going to do? Right. And at it's that good point, for you. Yeah. At that point, regardless of who's listening, I'm now leaning on the audience more than they're leaning on me. 100%. And, yeah. and that's the relationship that I'll miss on TSN 1200. And that's the relationships you hope that you can keep going through. This is wrestling through. I mean, you have the great relationships with your listeners mm-hmm. uh, on on this podcast. And, and honestly, hopefully for me, at some point, you can continue those relationships with, with people, whatever medium that, that happens to be. That's what I'll miss the most. I mean, 
yeah, I can sit here and tell you about AJ waking me up at three o'clock in the morning because he bought a fucking bag of chips <laughs> in New York City and came in with a, he couldn't get Pringles, so he ended up calling room service and got a, you know those little things of Pringles? Sure, the like, little airplane-sized ones? Yeah, airplane-sized. Yeah. It only cost, I think, $13 for the airplane, but it was okay because he put it on the company. Oh, okay. And then he woke me up and chewed them in my ear at 3.30 in the morning while I was trying to sleep at the NHL draft in New York City. Um, you know, or that he had to get every cheesesteak in Philadelphia yeah. and got seven cheesesteaks in six nights and took taxi cabs and got home at three in the morning every night to tell me how the, the Philly cheesesteak was. Well, I miss those times. Of course I'll miss those times. Or, you know, driving home from the draft in Pittsburgh where he streamed the England World Cup game and it cost him 1600 bucks to the company. And we... St- Okay, and we stopped at Buffalo Wild Wings in Watertown at halftime, or else I think he would have been fired. <laughs> I'm not even sure they asked him to pay it back, which is the worst part. Yeah. How did he got away with it? I'm not sure. But, like, he streamed the World Cup game on his phone Company in 2011 phone. in the United States. Roaming ah, this, everything. This won't be a problem. On his flip phone. I'll drive. You watch, AJ. You watch. Yes, I'll miss a lot of those yeah, times. Yeah. Um, but you you hope to create like memories and, and these connections with people. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said that. So in two, oh God, I, the years are all. I'm sure they blend a they, bit. They are. Yeah. But at one point, I can tell you the story. Sure. So. I, I was going to swear again, but I will. I won't do that. It's already. Right I'll, I'll say, bleeping Mendez. <laughs> like, so. In 2014, I was kind of doing some other stuff for the station, and I got brought in and said, "You're going to be the drive show host, mm-hmm. okay? And you're going to do it with Simmer, okay? Okay. Pretty sure." <laughs> July or August came along. Ian Mendez decided to say, I think I'm going to leave Sportsnet and come to TSN 1200. Yeah. I recall. Yeah. And then I got a call like, you're not going to host the drive show anymore because Ian is. (laughs) Oh, cool. (laughs) But you know what you're going to do? 2020 updates. Oh. And you do them on the drive. Oh, awesome. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Um, but Ian being the good guy that he is, uh, sort of included me in the show, uh, made me a, you know, a third wheel of the show and he didn't have to do that. Um, before eventually it would be the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he was able to do that. And I think during that time, um, I did that. And so finally the boss came to me and he's like, okay, I know you want to do a show. You want like, so how? I want to show on the weekends. I'm like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm a Monday to Friday, nine to five kind of bitch. Yeah. Right? Like I, I've been around long enough, but then I was like, ah, I want you to bring these two young kids yeah. along. Yeah. Bunda and Creech. Yeah. They talk about TSN weekends all the time okay. when they're so in here I looked, saying that so, that was a blast. So I looked at the boss and I told him, and that's John Rodenberg. Yep. 
And I told him, and I looked him right in the eye. This is probably the time I matured most in radio. So I, I really look back on these days and go, wow. Because I looked at him and said, fine. You know what? Sure. I'll do a weekend show, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays, 9 to noon on Sundays. I'd have uh, probably flipped it. Okay. I was doing, <laughs> yeah. Saturday night's a little wilder sometimes. Right. I don't get up that early on Sunday. <laughs> uh, good news, though, is that the boss walked his dog for an hour and a half, never listened to any shows except for ours, and had the most critiques of TSN Weekend that he had on any show that ever aired on <laughs> TSN 1200. Thanks, JR. Air checks every Monday morning. Needed that. Like, but I told him, I said, this show will be like, not like any other show you, you have. Because I said, the only thing I care about, the only thing is this not being... Like the morning show or in the box of the drive. Yeah. And that's all I tried to do. So when I made Steve Bunda eat a ghost pepper on the air and for 60 seconds for a guy that can handle his heat and spice, had tears rolling down his eyes, couldn't talk. And I actually thought, are we going to have to stop the show for me to take him to the hospital? I do think fondly upon those times because he did eat it on the air. And I did have a bake-off with Brianna Jackson and had CTV, like Katie Griffin, and people come up and judge it. That's right. On sports radio, I had a bake-off. Because <laughs> sure. on Saturday night, I made like Rice Krispie squares and muffins <laughs> and whatever she made, and people judged it. And I lost, but I really won. You know what I mean? Yeah, because my stuff was better, but people <laughs> liked her better. So apparently I lost. But, always a popular but we would also do like hour-long interviews with Jesse Lucetta, hmm. uh, Eli Anku. Um, Aaron Bronstetter used to be on all the time all, when you guys would do that. All the time. Yeah. Um, but we used to do things differently on that show. And now I look back on it and go, man, I'm proud of that show. Yeah. Well, that was the last time it was interesting to turn on the station on the weekend, right? To be honest with you, right? Of like, course, because yeah. there's nothing else local in no, life. No. And I tried to make it at least a little bit different. It didn't always work, yeah. but- and Jared would call me, what are you doing? What are you doing on this? I'm like, I told you before, yeah. if you don't want this, I won't do it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was a great learning experience and, and kind of where I, where I look back and go, you know, and just proud of like Bunda was so good and Creech was so good. And we had this like team format and I would always, the uh, I'll crap on Creech a little bit. So... <laughs> Every time, every time Pitching. I would bring in somebody, it would be like, oh, okay, I'm bringing in Trevor Harris for an hour. I'm bringing in Jesse Lucat. I'm bringing in somebody. But I want it to be different because mm -hmm. a lot of these athletes who come in studio, they don't open up till yeah. like 15, 20, 25 minutes into the Once they're comfortable with you. Right. Yeah, it takes time. It takes time. It took me four hours on this show to <laughs> do that. No. So... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I know. I can't help some of the just sarcasm that comes out. But um, but he's always like, why are we bringing this guy in? Why are we, well, what are we going to talk to him about? What are we going to, like, this makes no, and at the end of it, that's the best interview we've ever had. Yes, yeah. Graham, just get 20 minutes into it yeah. and then we'll figure it out. I, this is the first show in a very long time, you being in here today. I did not prepare literally any notes, no. any questions. Why would you? And here we've done back-to-back -back episodes with 
Well, why would Sometimes you? It, 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 I'm you, not that bright. You, you don't need know. to, like, if you're going to ask me questions, I'm not going to know the answer anyway. You just know sometimes with certain get, it's going to be easy. It's just going to roll, and yeah. we'll see how it goes. And, and like I said, we, we've ended up doing uh, two shows here and, and whatever. And like you said, sometimes you just know it's going to settle it. You don't have to have everything mapped. It. What am I going to ask, and what are we going to talk about? No, we'll exactly. Let's see what happens. So a lot of different things. Proud of, of you know, how things that we've done and – I look back to just before we go, like yeah. the you the way that community comes together in big moments. So after uh, Carlson got traded, and after Mark Stone got traded, yeah. both of those guys, Simmer and Ian were on two to six, but then we were asked, "Hey, can you and Bundin Creech go on after and just go till whenever the calls or emails yep. stop." Let the city vent. Let them vent. Well, both days were 6 p.m. till 3 a.m. Nine straight hours. I remember, man. And flip it on. Are these fuckers still on? Right. But but it wasn't that. It was more no, like it was that um <laughs> like the people at like Jerry at Chez Lucien. Have you ever been to Chez Lucien? I actually haven't. Go down, please go. Okay. Uh old Montreal Canadians, 1960s fan, very rustic. Right downtown. Okay. It doesn't even look like a bar before you walk in. <laughs> um, what a sports fan. Like, yeah. what an incredible sports historian the guy is. Hmm. Um, but I didn't know him from a hole in the ground. And he's sending us burgers and fries and, <laughs> Keep and, going. and shakes. And, like, can't tell you how much I appreciate what, what you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, so things like that, where you're on for nine straight hours <laughs> and, like, at some point, I'm looking at Creature. Creature's looking at Bunda. Come Bunda's looking at me like, are we really? Yep, we're going another hour. Because yeah. the phone lines are jammed, and there's new emails, and there's new calls, and there's new everything. Right. So you look back at, at kind of those things, and also the 2017 run for the Sens. Yep. That was the year of everything, right? The Great Cup was here. The Sens big run was yeah. here. Like that was. But the Sens run, hosting the post-game shows, have never heard, like, people that were homesick in Japan teaching English and they would tune in in the morning because they they felt that sense of community. Right. Reporters in the jungles in Africa writing in and and Go saying Kyle Tourist. Yeah, no, but how much of a part of like Ottawa brought them a sense of familiarity because of the run and they felt like they were connected to home. Yeah. And the radio station allowed people to do that. And I'm forever grateful for that, uh, to be a part of that, to allow people to connect back to their hometowns or in their hometowns or whether they're sitting on Merivale and, you know. Stuck in fucking Merivale traffic. Right. You know what? It is the worst road <laughs> in the city. It really is, By man. the way, it's the worst road <laughs> in the entire city. Uh, but whether someone's sitting on Merivale or they're on a, a work placement in some other country and they can connect to Ottawa through something. Forever grateful for being the facilitator for that. So um, the the times at two o'clock in the morning, yep, we're going another hour. <laughs> uh, and not we weren't getting paid more. Like right. we were just getting paid what we were getting paid. Yeah. Whether we were on for two hours or nine hours. But it was this thing that you were a part of and that you felt connected to. And that... That's the big thing that I, I love. That's the what, part that's dying. Uh, yeah, I love that what you do and hope at some point, you know, we can, I can keep going with it. We can keep going with it. We can 
do some things that in the future to keep that connection. Honestly, man, I hope you'll you'll keep coming in here and doing this. Have a pint, shoot the shit. Dude, you're not getting rid of me. Like, if you think <laughs> at some point that I'm not bringing you new beer. Like, we haven't even talked music. We haven't no. talked a lot of different things. Well, there's a lot of things we could do together, man. Uh, and, I know. And this studio will, is always sitting here. Or Dude, uh, I got a lot of free remotely. time over the next yeah. little while. By all means, man. <laughs> I love doing this. I love having you no, in here. No, so. I've really appreciated you having me and, and allowing me to to speak the way I have and even make fun of you a little bit when yeah. I kind of <laughs> like you. So I don't, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's fair. It's fair game. When, it is. When you're a but, fan. But thank you for allowing me to do this and thank you for, for being a part of it. And um, the fact that even one person wrote to you to ask how I was doing. Oh, we got m- way more than one. That day, in the day since, yeah. uh, hey, I see Lee's been on the pod. When is he coming back? Do you know how Lee's doing? And, and like I said, that day, getting oh, messages man. going, have you heard anything? And you're sort of like, yes, but I don't really want to, it's not my place to talk about kind of thing, right? And then once it would become public, then I would. But people were reaching out, man. People wanted to know how you were doing. People were were upset uh, with what happened. Uh, I'm glad, you know, you took some time to come in here, talk about it, explain well, it. Well, how about and, I and, even give you all, maybe if you could put out my email address okay. into... I'd be happy to do that, Matt. Into the, the In pod. The and notes, if people yeah. want to reach out, then I'd love to hear from them. I really would. That would be great. So we will make sure that is in the show notes at talkinaudio.com. Cool. Or in whatever app you're listening to us right now, uh, check that out. We'll make sure that if you want to reach out to Lee, you can do that. So I'll be at your next 40th birthday party for sure. I'm not doing it again. One was enough. <laughs> we'll wind this one down here. That is back-to-back episodes of the Talking Audio Podcast with Lever Sage. Thank you so much for coming in, man. Thanks, man. I do appreciate it. Yeah, it's been awesome. We'll wind this one down here. For Lee, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. That's it. I cannot work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.